the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Steve Arterburn here filling in for Frank Sontag. I'm going to be with you all week. Very, very excited to be about this. Uh, I've listened to KKLA, I don't know how many years, maybe 40. It's amazing. And uh, to be on, it, it's really quite an honor. I uh, I was, uh, after Frank Pastore had the horrific accident that he did, uh, I, I remember going to the hospital room being by his bed and he was unconscious but he and uh his daughter we we sang amazing grace to him uh while he was still breathing and that was one of the most moving experiences ever and uh, he's greatly missed so anyway to get to be here uh where he was it's just a wonderful thing and i'm i'm very grateful for that I'll tell you about New Life uh, right after I tell you what we're going to be dealing with here this whole week. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about, of course, uh, the Olympics, big deal. Keep you updated on that right now. U.S., we're ahead in medals, not in gold. But we're going to talk about a thing called toxic tribal affinity. Uh, that's where people would rather be part of their tribe. They love their tribe so much that they'd rather be wrong than to desert or be considered uh, offline from the group of people that they associate with. And I'm telling you, that's a horrible thing. When people would rather be wrong than to know the truth, to share the truth, and, and let other people know about that truth. Now, that comes uh, to play in several areas, we're, we're going to talk about abortion and, and life. We're going to have on Lila Rose. Lila has the largest pro-life ministry in the world. She started, I think, at 15, uh, and she'd never had any experience. She just wanted to save some babies. Lila will be on. We're going to talk about uh, sexual integrity with Fred Stoker. Of course, he and I wrote uh, the, the book on sexual integrity 25 years ago, Every Man's Battle. We're going to talk about pastors who should not be pastors. And uh, one of the folks that I love uh, getting to know, Ann Baylor. She is the Auntie Ann of Ann's, uh, Auntie Ann Pretzels. Uh, I think they have 1,900 stores. But she was sexually abused, raped by a pastor uh, while grieving the death of her daughter. Uh, tragic, tragic situation. We're going to talk with her and one of the finest people you'll ever meet. She'll be on later this week. Ralph Reed, uh, he is the founder of Faith and Freedom Coalition, and he's been doing this a long, long time, and we're going to talk to him about really what is right about Washington, D.C., and all the things that are going there and what is wrong. And we're going to talk about something that you may not hear much about, but in the world of transgender and transitioning, there is a growing 
that you may not hear about, Detransition Community. And I'm going to uh, play some clips from um, an amazing woman who was in the transition process and, and then woke up to the reality of what was happening to her and how she had gotten there. So that's going to be one of our hours that we'll talk about. I hope that uh, that will be, well, I know it's going to be so informative. Jim Burns is going to join us. We're going to talk about uh, parenting. And by the way, New Life has never done a parenting seminar. We're founded on three things. One is true truth, not manipulative truth or truth tainted by um, whoever we think we are whatever we think our agenda should be, but truth. And then redemptive relationship or connection. A lot of people have never been in a redemptive relationship. They don't know what it's like. They, they had a horrible relationship with dad or mom and repeated that in marriage. And then the other thing is transformation. Not, not to feel good, but do whatever it takes to transform your life. But now we're going to do something. It's treatment. It's preventative and it's a parenting seminar on October the 2nd. It's going to be online. And uh, we've got Alice Benton, Becky Brown, Jim Burns, Jackie McHarris, Milan, and Kay Yurkovich. Amazing people. And um, we're going to do that. It's an eight-week experience. You'll hear eight different talks, teaching sessions. You'll have five small process group sessions. Uh, it's going to be amazing. What's going to happen over that eight weeks? We're going to talk about bullying, discipline, boundaries, all that stuff coming up. We'll do that. You can find out about that at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. But I want to talk to you today, right now. Uh, by the way, if you want to join me in this, we're going to talk about homelessness. If you've got an opinion, you want to share it, it's 888 888-995-5552. Two. So homelessness. You just you can't ignore it. I remember years ago I was traveling uh, up to Portland, Oregon, and I was talking to somebody. They had this huge at the time. It was probably bigger than most other places. This huge homeless community living out uh, of doors and uh, for everyone uh, to see. And I, I just said, what, what has happened here? And they said, this, all of these people, they said, they used to be the folks that were in our, our mental health centers. And we don't have those anymore. And so now, rather than sleeping in a bed, getting some kind of psychiatric care, they're out here. And they're homeless. A lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, they, they're not just homeless because of, mental problems, emotional problems. There are a lot of different reasons people get there. But the, the drug addiction component of this is so strong. Fentanyl, uh, just pouring into this country, has destroyed so many lives. And physicians prescribing it, being told by Big Farm that it was not addictive. I know some amazing Christian people uh, leaders in the Christian world who got addicted to this because they had some kind of surgery or chronic pain. They were prescribed this, and it's one of the most addictive chemicals ever. And, of course, now you don't even know what you're, you're getting if you take it. it. It could be some kind of toxic 
a potion that somebody put together. But the homeless uh, rate in, in many places over just a year prior is up 50% because of people losing everything very quickly because of fentanyl. Uh, you know, if you have an alcohol problem and you stay with that alcohol problem, you're eventually going to lose everything. If you're an alcoholic, you'll lose everything. But it'll it'll take place over years. But heroin and then now fentanyl even more, the destruction and the loss is much, much quicker and greater. And so... Yeah, you've got some folks that are homeless because they have emotional or mental problems. You've got a huge growing number that are there because of an addiction problem that has gone untreated. You've also got some folks that are there because, not because they're lazy or irresponsible or anything like that. The turn of events in their life was unfortunate. Uh, maybe they had a plan. But like many people, it was the wrong plan at the wrong time or right plan at the wrong time or whatever. And it didn't work out. But they were working really hard, but it didn't work out. And things happened. And maybe they end up uh, going through a divorce because they didn't live up to someone's expectation. And now they're on the street homeless. But they were working really hard. That can be a part of why somebody ends up on the street and homeless and many of us we we could be there you know we're we're fortunate i feel fortunate that i'm not there i could have many times in my life that could have been me there are other people that you'd have to say are homeless and they're experiencing a condition called learned helplessness they literally have learned to be helpless and, and only respond to somebody wanting to rescue them or, you know, giving them something that just enables them to remain in this helpless condition. It's really sad, you know. There are people that say, well, we, need to, we, know, we don't need to give homeless people fish. We need to teach them to, to fish. And so you've got to give them fish people and teach them to fish people. But here's the dilemma. Some people can't learn to fish. And it, you, you've got to have great services to weed out what is really there. You need a triage program that can say this is a person who has tremendous potential. If we can just give them a boost here uh, because they had a turn of events that were unfortunate. Here's another person that is addicted and if we could get them out of the addiction if we could provide the treatment maybe they have a different future in mind here's somebody that they need emotional mental health uh, treatment maybe it's medication that would save them and then there are other people that we need to take a long slow process with them so that they literally can get well they can get better and move out of their learned helpless state it's not the same answer for all people well you know locally I, I think this probably pictures of this videos of this all over the country or world of venice beach and the homeless situation there 
you know, Los Angeles, it's the second largest city, of course, in the United States, and it has the second largest homeless population. I think uh, some would say are over 40,000 homeless people. Now, that's, that's, that's larger than just so many cities. Probably most cities aren't even that big. 41,000 homeless in a city of 4 million. And here's this uh, this Venice Beach area, I, one of my favorite places. I mean, it's just fascinating to go there, and I guess other people too, about 10 million visitors a year. And, you know, they, it's like Venice. Uh, I mean, I've never been to the real Venice, but uh, the other Venice. But the canals are there, and you can walk along the boardwalk, and you can see these multimillion-dollar homes, and their T-shirt shops and tarot card readers that, don't seem to be able to help restaurants, all sorts of stuff, and people lifting weights and uh, working out all these kinds of things. And then there's the the homeless camp that's right there. Now, who's who who's wrong here? Are the people that want that homeless camp somewhere else wrong, or are the people that are saying, well? These homeless people can't help themselves. You just have to accommodate them wherever they want to be. Are they wrong? What do you think? Uh, after we go to a break in a bit, if, if you want to talk to me, it's 888-995-5552. We need to provide services. We also need to think about the people that invest in a business. And they, they want to make a living for their family and for themselves. And if people are uh, out front blocking the doorway, if, if they're uh, sleeping out there, people are afraid to come by, whatever it is, you know, don't they also have a right to be protected from something that would destroy this, this business that they've uh, worked so hard uh, to build? So who's right in this? And what is, what is the solution? Or what do you think is the solution? You know, the um, county sheriff there, uh, Alex Villanueva, well, um, he, he made some comments um, that, you know, anybody on the, the boardwalk on July 4th, they were going to be arrested. And uh, now they're under investigation by the state for using excessive force and all these kinds of things. And, you know, he he tried to argue that some of these county leaders there were the architects of this homeless problem and that something needed to be done. And um, I'll tell you, it's, it's really hard. You know, I think they took about 250 um, homeless that they, they worked with, and 20 of them were moved into shelters, and five, uh, five of them went to mental health or drug programs, and then um, 175 people agreed to, to go to a shelter there provided by the St. Joseph Center, which is a nonprofit organization. And, and they cleaned up the camps and all of that, and the, and the problem still is existing and persisting. And, um, you know, the, there's this defund the police thing that, says, you know, let's replace the police with social workers and all of that. I would say, in my mind, how about let's give the police 
more money, but in addition to that, couldn't we provide some treatment for these folks? Couldn't the social workers that people are saying should replace the police, couldn't they be hired to come over here and deal with the homeless population? It would be so great to see drug addicts treated. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I get it that using a drug is a choice. We all know that. Or, or drinking in excess is a choice. But if a, a physician prescribes something for you and gives you the impression it's not a, an addictive substance and you get addicted to it, you could kind of say you were kind of innocently addicted. And no matter what happens, of course, um, you're going to have to deal with it yourself. If a doctor gets you addicted with a prescription medication, you didn't realize it, well, it's tragic. But you're the one that has to deal with that and has to surrender and get the treatment that you need. And nobody can do it for you. Sadly, you know, we, we resist any kind of help when we're addicted. We don't see the world from the proper perspective when addiction is running rampant all over us because addiction, it's, it's a, it kills the brain's ability to function rationally, to see things from a, an accurate perspective, but it also literally uh, destroys the body's ability to function normally without the chemical until you go through the withdrawal process you get the help that you need you start a program you don't just stop but you start a program like a 12-step program it's amazing how many people have been helped by 12-step programs and yet christians want to argue about whether or not it's really a, the way to go they think 12 steps are from satan maybe you think that i got to tell you, I've been working with those 12 steps for years. Dave Stoop and I created the Life Recovery Bible, integrating the Scripture with the 12 steps because those 12 steps, if you listen to what the founders of AA said, they came right out of Scripture. So we ought to be reaching out to the homeless with a Christ-centered recovery program. We could be the ones that are coming alongside county-funded or state-funded social workers, mental health workers, and we could be uh, reaching out and winning people to the Lord because they see that we care, uh, even when it is inconvenient. Because that's what Jesus did. He went to the most inconvenient places, and he, he ministered to some of the most unlikely folks, and he helped them. And he healed them. And I think that's what we're called to do. But maybe you have a, a different perspective on that. Maybe you think uh, there's a different way that we should be dealing with the homeless folks. Uh, if you want to tell me about that, it's 888-995-5552. And uh, after the break, if there's a phone call, well, we're going to take that call. I'd love to hear from you. 888-995-5552. In the meantime, uh, you know, there are things that you could get from us. One is the 10 Steps to Freedom from Fear. I put this together for you. It's a tip sheet. 
It's got scripture with every one of these points that we could uh, learn, implement, live by. And all you have to do is email or go to kkla.com forward slash new life. You'll see all the things uh, that we have for you there. Also, uh, one of my favorite folks, uh, Max Lucado, he um, he and I did a, a new life perspective that we recorded, and it's called Fearless Living. And it's really good, and you could get that at uh, kkla.com forward slash new life. By the way, pray for Max. You know, he was, uh, I just got back from a trip to Ireland with uh, 16 of us over there, men who were just amazing, humble, uh, open, sharing, caring for each other. I couldn't believe it. Some great, great men. And Max was, was going to go with us. But a couple of days before the trip, uh, he got COVID. He had been vaccinated, but he uh, he was out greeting folks on a Sunday, and I guess three days later he tested positive for COVID. He's not uh, not in horrible shape, fortunately. He's a healthy guy, uh, but pray for him. It would really be um, great. I know he'd appreciate your prayers. He's a fantastic guy. If every leader was like him, uh, we wouldn't have quite so many problems as we do. All right, uh, I'm going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll go to the phones. Here's the number, 888-995-5552. I'd also tell you, if you're listening to this, New Life has a group of counselors that absolutely would love to talk to you if you have any kind of problem. You can call them at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. All right, we'll take this break, and we'll come back for more. Well, Steve Arterburn here. Glad to be with you on KKLA today. Welcome back. Steve Arterburn here. Really glad you're with me, and I am so thrilled to get to be here. Give you some encouragement right out of 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. You know, I think in the Christian community, one of the things that I see over and over again are people that don't really believe God is for them. And I want you to know, I, I have been, I mean, there's, there's nothing you could tell me you've done that would shock me. And it's not shocking God either. And no matter what you've done or where you've been, I'm telling you, he is for you he's absolutely for you where i'm a teaching pastor we uh we have four different campuses in state prisons and uh, dave stoop and i wrote this book take your life back and we distributed over three thousand of those books to prisoners and i met a guy there a wonderful wonderful guy and um i met this guy and he says um Hey, you know, I, I, I read Every Man's Battle, and it changed my life. And I said, well, what are you doing here in prison? It was a prison for uh, prison for sexual offenders. He said, I, I became a Christian. And the next day, I walked down to the police station. I turned myself in. 
I told him I had been raping a 12-year-old girl. He was having sex with, uh, at the time he was 22, she was 12. So that's, that's rape. And um, he said, I was so convicted, I need to pay the price. And he, was, he had been sentenced to 30 years. He would do a minimum of 15. He read Every Man's Battle, and uh, two years later I found out he had translated Every Man's Battle into Braille. And it's in Library of Congress because of the work that he did, Braille. And, and that's an example of a guy that went pretty low. But God is using him to do some great things. And that's what God wants to do for every person. He wants to give us a new hope and a new future. He wants to lift us up. And so I'm just telling you before we get back on our topic here, I, I would feel horrible if I didn't assure you that you have not outsinned God's grace. He is for you. He loves you. He created you for great things. And uh, all, all week we're going to be talking about people rising up and living into what God created them for. My wife and I, um, we've been working on these Bible projects for Tyndale House. Uh, I think this will be her fi- fifth Bible project. It'll be my 15th. And, and she's been doing the one-year Bible for women, and I've been writing the one-year Bible for men. 37,700 words I wrote. And when we were uh, writing these devotionals, I, I looked over into uh, February, and on the one-year Bible plan, if you know anything about it, there's an Old Testament passage, there's a New Testament passage, there's a psalm, and there's a proverb. And I... On this day in February, I look over at the Old Testament passage, and, well, there's God's chosen high priest, Aaron. God chose this guy, and he's worshiping a golden calf. You know, you think you've had a hard time. Maybe you run something and hire somebody. God's first high priest, he, he went and worshiped a golden calf. And then I, I turn over to the New Testament passage. On the same day, Peter is denying he ever knew Jesus, one of the inner circle, uh, loved Jesus, spent time with Jesus, said, I never met the man. Kind of hard to do anything worse than that. What a horrible, horrible thing they did. So God called one to be the high priest in the Old Testament, the other to, to be the foundation, the rock of the church, Peter. So when they did these horrible things, did Did God take away their calling? Absolutely not. He laid out a path of restoration for Aaron, and Aaron remained the high priest. He laid out a restoration plan for Peter and um, literally gave him three different times, told him and, 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 and expressed his forgiveness and grace to Peter. And Peter remained in that same calling. I think they're great examples that you could commit the greatest of sins and God doesn't take that calling away. Now many churches teach, well, once you do this or that, it's you've sinned too much, you've gone too far. I don't believe that that's true. It's just a matter of whatever we've done, whatever we've gotten into, we ask God, get me back on that path so I can fulfill what you made me for, fulfill the calling you have on my life. Even if I'm in prison for the rest of my life, I can still fulfill 
that calling. Some of the folks who were on their way to fulfilling that calling, they end up homeless. And there's so many reasons that they do. There's just no question. It's documented. We know it to be true. Some of those folks are there because there is a mental illness problem or emotional problem that they they're just struggling with it and they can't uh, do anything until it's treated you know other people are in so much poverty living with unemployment it's just tragic what they're going through and um and so many folks addicted to some drug end up on the street and then some have kind of been trained to be hopeless helpless and um you know, I, I hope that that's not the majority. I don't think it is, but there's some. But there are many, many people that could live differently, totally differently, if given the opportunity and the chance. Well, uh, let's let's go to our phones. Let's talk to Renee. By the way, if you want to talk to me, 888-995-5552. Let's talk to Renee. Now, Renee lives in Compton, uh, and let's see what she has to say about homelessness. Hi, Renee. How you doing? Oh, fine, Steve. How are you? Doing all right. Happy to be here, and thanks for joining me. Oh, yes, I'm listening because you're on the air right now. I do listen to Frank, but I wanted to make sure that I support you. Thank you. What, what do you have to say today? Well, now, what I'm going to say, I don't have all the details, and it may be a little sketchy. I don't want to give out wrong information. Um, one day I, was, I, I, I met several ladies who were from the Venice area, and they basically gave me a little bit of history about Venice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure whether or not you're aware that um, actually it was, a very highly populated black community um, there in in Venice. Is that right? Um, Yes. uh, Some people who actually, one city um, in the south, there were a lot of migrants from that city in the south of black folks, and they actually landed there in Venice Beach. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons why, when you just look at the Southern California beaches, um, it's highly populated with African-Americans or black people there um, than the other beaches is because most of those people probably have relatives that live pretty close by. Hmm. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories that's going on right now with what's happening in Venice that the black people are being pushed off of their property um, with force. and um, But I don't really want to get into all of that because I don't know how true it is. I have been doing some investigation on it because, um, from what I understand, this has been going on for like the last 10 years because the property values there are so expensive now. And there's a lot of people who have moved out of uh, the Los Angeles area now wanting to move back into L.A. And um, unfortunately, um, there is some suffering going on with the black community. But but and what is so the what, is, what in your mind is the solution? I mean, 
the the history is one thing, whatever it is. But what's the solution today? What do you think? Is well, the I solution? think that the history has an effect on what's going on uh, right now there. But I'm then, in agreement okay, so with based, the treatment. Okay, but, but based on the history, what do you think would be the most helpful thing for the homeless there in Venice Beach? Um, I was there about a month ago, and I, I, I did see the homeless population there. Some people don't want to get off the streets. Yes, it's affecting the businesses. But what? But okay, but tell me, tell me what you think. But, but this is one of the problems: is that we, we, we talk about it, but we don't try to solve it. What do you think? Would, would be a step towards solving the problem? Just your opinion. Well, um, one way, you know, we, we discovered uh, during COVID that there were a lot of hotels that were willing to give up space. All right. You know, you know what? The I have, I, they've, got a, they've got me on a break here, and I've got to go to a, a break. But that is one solution, is get people into hotels. We'll be back. Steve Arterburn here with you. I'm on KKLA, you know. Midday. And uh, New Life Live, we take live calls every day. Got some of the best Christian counselors ever uh, that are with me every day on the air and I'll tell you, we're watching lives change every day. It's pretty, pretty amazing to see what God can do when somebody says, okay, I admit I've got an extreme limitation here, and in and of myself, I don't have what it takes to fix this, but God does, and I'm going to let God do that. That's the beginning. And I, I love to see that kind of humble willingness rather than the stubborn resistance that so many people think is the right way. Let's go back to the phones. We've been talking about homelessness. We've been talking about Venice Beach. People are concerned about it, and not just there, but it's being repeated in their own community there. I want to talk to Barbie. She is calling from Covina. Barbie, Steve Arterburn here. How are you today? What's going on? Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for taking my call. First, I want to say I'm a fan of New Life Live. I'm a fan of Frank Pastore and Frank Fontaine. Um, (laughs) I listen almost every day, and I love hearing God's Word, and I love how you present the truth with integrity and honesty, and you're making a difference. So I just want to thank all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbie. I I want to just say this, because you mentioned a lot of different folks here a lot of people don't understand that christian radio like kkla it, it's so intimate and a person that might never talk about their faith or jesus at work in the privacy of their automobile on the way to work or or home they'll listen to somebody who has um, the truth of of the bible within them and sharing that and it will cause change within them. It'll, it'll begin transformation. And, and it just would never happen if a, a station like KKLA wasn't on the air. So I'm very grateful to get to be here. What, uh, what is your thought on the homeless situation there 
in uh, Venice Beach or anywhere else? What are you thinking? Well, what I'm thinking is I have had my eye, and thank you so much for bringing up this topic. And I have had my eye on this for a long time because I was a business owner in 1983, and I went to L.A., and I was aware of the situation over there before people even observed it because we're all in our own little world. We're in Kalina, nice little town, and nice little towns, nice clean cities, and people weren't aware of it. So I've been observing it for a long time. And there was a time in the 80s when one of the very handsome, hardworking black security guards I would always try to help people that were homeless and let them watch my car. We didn't call them homeless. They were just there. And I would make sure that they watched my car and give them a tip. And he actually made the comment to me, when the Olympics came in here, we took all these people and we put them in the middle of the desert. And he said to me, you know, Barbie, we should have just left them there because most of these people, they're never going to do anything. They're not going to go anywhere. They're losers. They're drug addicts. And so he, I had put that seed in my head, but I was still kind to people. I still paid for them, and I still wanted to make a difference. So you asked me if I have an idea, and I had an idea, and I want to share it with you. Okay, let's And hear I it. feel that we've been, we've been giving people sympathy, like, oh, they're homeless. Oh, you know, give them money. And everyone's observing them, and they see the problem getting worse. It's coming into the cities. Like, you turn the corner, and there's someone taking a shower in the bushes. You turn another corner, and someone's hiding. Someone's mm-hmm. on the park bench pretending they're catching a bus, but they're living there. And we're all waiting for someone to do something. That's my opinion. Okay. So, so I think what needs to happen is you ask for a solution in every yeah. single city. We're American citizens. We have rights. It is not the right of a person that doesn't have a home. And you've gone through hard times. That doesn't give you the right to disrupt businesses, to camp on the street so other people can't even walk on the street, to, to not wear masks, to be unsafe, to be spreading disease, germs, okay. fecal so- material. What what is the what what do you think is the solution though? That's the still the problem. I think what that do you... every city needs to get involved. Uh-huh. The, the management of the city needs to take a survey. Who's in the city? There needs to be a place where people go. It could be a deserted building, somewhere they can go. Get rid of that stolen shopping cart. Make a mm-hmm. little box. Put their stuff there for the day, mm-hmm. and then they need to interview each person, find out their situation. But they can't be loitering in the city. No more loitering. Okay. That's a crime. You can't be loitering in the city right. after they find out their situation. So, so I think you're, they should be put to work. They can so, be put to work. they got to earn okay. a... All right. So here's what I'm hearing. Uh, I want to take one more caller before I have to go. Um, but I'm hearing that there ought to be some place, a deserted building converted, and not just a place for them to live, but a place for them to work. Is, uh, is what I'm hearing from you. And I, I think, well, that would be a great way to spend some money. If you're going to spend money, spend it uh, on providing them a place, a roof, a safe place, and then also to help them work, earn their way, and restore uh, some dignity. Because there are a lot of people there, If you just if they just had the chance or they had the treatment they need, they would they would be a great contribution to the world. All right, let, let me go to one more caller here. I might have time for two, but we'll at least go to Mariano. He's calling from uh, La Habra. La Habra. Uh, Mariano, how are you today? 
Thanks for joining me. Great, great, Steve. I listen to your program, and, uh, yeah, I love this show. Yes, uh, here's my thing. I, I, I have all the answers to the homeless situation. I wish okay. they would hire me, and I, I'd, I'd, make it, I'd make it work. I was homeless for about a year. I lived at the Dream Center. I was a homeless veteran, uh, Navy, and um, I just I, I got my act together. It wasn't so much drugs and everything. It was just circumstances and money. 80%, I would say 60% of the homeless that I have met over 20 years living in downtown L.A., 10 minutes from Skid Row, most of them need mental help. That's, yeah. that's the big problem. The other problem, 50%, 60%, they're addicted to some kind of drug. Yeah. Um, and, and the other problem is they all get money from social services and everything. And unless it's a Christian faith program like the Dream Center, they mm-hmm. have it together. Mostly, out of, they have a one-year, two-year program. When they get out of there, guess what? Most of them, they, they, they're, they're still going to like you know, different treatment programs. They got a job. They got their stuff together, but they have to commit. And I noticed a lot of the homeless, I probably met hundreds of them because I lived close by. I did ministries at the what Skid Row. And it's just, they, you can put them in a mansion, and they will live outside the mansion. That's just, mm. it's just sad. Um, I, mental health is, is a big, and they get millions and millions of dollars every year, and they, they never can fix the problem because I don't think most of that money goes to the homeless. I, get, I think it goes to the politicians, and it's sad. You know, okay, I so your, your solution is, your solution is mental health services, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, mental health and accountability. Um, yes, and, okay. and and you know, just for the people, I think there's a lot of them. Most a lot of them do want help, especially the families. But I think there needs to be a, a good Christian program like the Dream Center. Like I mm. said, they, they have like a ninety percent success rate for homeless yeah. people, families, kids. Such a great reputation. You know, they put God yeah. first. They get mm-hmm. help, and and then of course the mental. It, it's really a big uh, big issue. But, yeah, really um, you know, it's just, it's just sad. It's really All sad. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, you calling in, Mariano, and um, God bless you there, buddy. And, you know, here's here's the thing. Um, I, I think one of the, the greatest scriptures comes out of Psalm 139, 23, 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts, and then this, and see if there are any hurtful ways within me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Now, here's the answer for all of us who still have a home. We need to search our hearts, and we need to ask, what is it that we could do? One is that we could vote. Vote for people that will lead us in the direction that we think follows the same path of direction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And his direction wasn't enabling, endorsing, but it really was helping people to see the reality of their situation and do what needed to be done. And... And if we can have the heart of Christ, we want to reach people. We want to spend our money to reach them. We want to be generous. We want to help them. Compassion rather than criticism. We need to be active. 
in helping them experience the restoration that many of us have experienced. Well, I'd love to hear from you, and uh, if you send me an email or go to the website, kkla.com forward slash new life, you could pick up a copy of the uh, Fearless Living perspective that New Life did with, uh, I did this with Max Lucado, one of my favorite people. And uh, then also, uh, if you'd like this tip sheet on the 10 ways of overcoming fear, uh, I can send that to you also, kkla.com forward slash new life. I'm going to be back here tomorrow. We've got some great, great topics we're going to be dealing with, and I think you're going to Leave this week more excited about serving Christ no matter what the struggle you're in. That is my goal. And if you need any kind of help, you can always call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. I'll see you back here tomorrow.